Join me and special guest, established year-round Hamptonite, Stephen Schiller, for a journey like no other into the Hamptons on Deconstructing This. We've all heard of this posh place called the Hamptons. You know, latest trends, restaurants, fashion. But today we experience the Hamptons a bit differently through seasoned resident Stephen Schiller as I sat with him on a perfect Hampton summer morning. Ah, this is great. Ah. Now we can relax. Now, another beautiful morning. I hear the birds chirping, sun is shining, weather's perfect. What's the temperature? Right now it's probably around 70 degrees. 70 degrees. 70. Temperatures tomorrow morning, you see around 70, 72 West End, upper 60s out through central Suffolk County, and lots of sunshine all day tomorrow. Is that the draw of the Hamptons? Is the weather? Is that why people are here right now? Yeah, I believe so. I think it's the combination of the draw of the weather and the, um, the contrast in the terrain and topography between here and metropolitan New York, New York City. So hold on, we have to take this from the very beginning. I was genuinely surprised to hear what Stephen had to say about that. This became like the um, playground for the extremely wealthy many, many years ago. Um, you've heard of Newport, Rhode Island, very similar, we had Southampton. And people in the 1800s and the 1700s came out, very wealthy New Yorkers. They built second homes out here. So hold on a second. You know, I got out here, honestly, a few days ago, got to drive around. And if you would have asked me, tell me about the Hamptons, I would have said, yeah, 20, 30 years ago, people started coming out to the Hamptons. And, and you just started down that path, and then you give me a whole other mindset, 1700s, 1800s. I saw a windmill that was from the 1600s in the middle of the Hamptons. Now, that's a long time ago. So this isn't a trend. This isn't a, a yuppie thing. Give me a little history here. Well, originally, um, if you picture where the Hamptons is, particularly Montauk and the north side of the South Fork, which we'll explain later, um, it's, it's at the Atlantic Ocean. So in the 1500s and the 1600s, when they came to the New World, this is the first place they landed. So that's really the claim to fame of the Hamptons. This is a trendy name in the modern day, but this is really the, the landing post. I guess they couldn't get to New York, they couldn't get to the area where the Statue of Liberty is and all that without first passing through Long Island, right? right? So exactly. this is really where they set right. their sail. Okay, right. so, now we so had we have what we call the Long Island Sound, Peconic Bay and Montauk Lake, and those are all safe harbors for very large boats. So that's what that is. This is where they pulled in. And this is where not only did they pull in, this is where they brought over their, their animals, their herds, and they first started breeding cows. This was big cow country, many, 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 1600, Long Island. Long Island. Now, well, why wouldn't they take the, their ships further west and dock over in the mainland? Why would they have settled here on Long Island? Probably because this is the first piece of land that they hit. It was as good as anywhere. They didn't know. As good as anywhere. They didn't know the difference. They didn't know the difference. There wasn't a New York City like we know it today. So they get here. 
they they, they build an infrastructure. How much of that infrastructure is still here? Are there museums? I mean, is there yeah, culture? Well, if the, I came out to the Hamptons, could I spend two, three days learning about the rich history, or is it pretty much washed away? No, no. I think the, the history here has been preserved. Um, like uh, Susan and I, we went um, a couple of years ago into Sag Harbor, and they have the um, Whaling Museum. And the Whaling Museum dates back to the 1700s. The Whaling Museum. Uh, there were numerous whales here. And whales, whale oil, whale skin, whatever, was very um, popular. So, so these large corporations came over, large businesses, for the whaling. And they fished the seas dry of the whales here. But while the whales were here, this place prospered. And, um, and they brought over help, and they brought over merchants. Because they're, they're over here now in Sag Harbor. If you go to the museum, you'll see that. that, that this is all dates back to the 1600s. Most of these villages were incorporated in the early 1600s. If I ran the clock forward, right. I would have imagined that the whales would have led to a factory, the factory would have led to a, an office, the office would have led to a suburban. This should, by all rights, be a large city. Correct. Right. So, so what, what skewed there? What skewed the time? That's interesting. Right? Probably because as um, the whale, well, there were ups and downs out here as the whaling industry um, ceased to exist. I guess um, industry out here became you know, less important. And um, the next thing that was here was uh, farming. And um, the oldest horse ranch in the United States is in Montauk. Horse ranch. Horse ranch. So now we got horses. We go from whales to horses, to horses. cattle, and and the long the railroad that was originally built out here wasn't built for people to come traveling out here to go to the beach. It was built. They would herd all the cattle from Montauk and bring it to East Hampton, and then East Hampton, the cattle was put on the trains, sent them to New York. How much of that had to do with the weather? Because we started this conversation with weather, right. right? A very trivial moment in Hampton history is mm -hmm. good weather in July. And all of a sudden it becomes a, a commerce, right? It becomes a factor of growth right. and corn. And I've seen plenty of fields driving around here mm -hmm. in the Hamptons that are still producing crops. So, yes, that's true. So, so is, was that a factor as, as why we'd raise a horse here rather than like the hotter area of Well, I guess the weather was more comfortable. You have to keep in mind we're surrounded by water. And um, so, generally in the summer, we're cooler than we are in New York, New York City, and cooler than we are probably upstate for the most part, because land tends to retain heat, and the water doesn't. Um, so we, so it, it just remains cool. It's longer to heat up the ocean than it is to heat up the ground. And then in the spring, our f our fall, excuse me, our fall lasts longer out here. And it's unusual to get snow. Ever? Or ever. Ever. We do get snow now and then, but it's not like further west. Because during the winter, it could be 40 degrees in Manhattan or 35 degrees in Manhattan. But now the ocean temperature is 55 degrees or 60 degrees here, so the temperature is 45. So we tend to get more rain and snow than the metropolitan area. But I do hear that the Hamptons kind of evacuates for the winter time. You know, there's all yeah. The well, that that's the, the, the there are two elements in the Hamptons. One is the permanent population. The permanent population, 
was created by those merchants that came over and brought workers over and the very wealthy that came over in the 1800s brought over their Irish help. The Irish, as they came into this country, um, went into the domestic industry. They became the helpers for the very wealthy people. And, and they brought the Irish out here. And the Irish stayed here. And that was probably the first dominant population. And, um, and, and they're called the Bonnikins, so the nickname for the um, schools, Bonica. And so when we, we talk about the Bonnikins, we're talking about the original settlers and the settlers' helpers and merchants and house cleaners and suppliers that came out here for the wealthy. They, they became permanent residents out here. Do you think those families are still here year-round? Because I, I've, Absolutely. Heard, I've heard a lot of people just abandon the Hamptons. No, those families are here year-round. If you drive around the Hamptons and um, look at a lot of street signs, they're the, the names of the families that are still here. I couldn't resist asking questions about how the rich and famous migrated here. It seemed like everywhere we went, there was talk about what celebrity just ate there or who saw who driving where. Stephen's take on that was quite surprising. Well, the population in Manhattan and New York City grew dramatically, and they needed a place to go. Most of the resort areas that surround New York City um, are generally cooler in the evening, whether it be out here or upstate New York, because there was no advent of air conditioning. So, so people look to escape the heat of the city. Mm-hmm. And we have the oceans. We have the, as you know, we have some of the most magnificent beaches in the world out here. And, um, and that, I think that attracted, you know, the, the, the original uh, summer people. But I couldn't get past the properties, one bigger than the next. I thought it was fascinating how the wealthy positioned their status here. I wonder how that all happened. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people that did come out here initially bought large parcels of land. And in Southampton and East Hampton, near the ocean, that has been subdivided over the years because um, the original people came and they bought, say, 20 acres. Mm. And, um, and they built a home, built a mansion, built an estate. And then maybe they sold off 10 acres and this property became so, so expensive that it's, it's, it was an investment, even to this day. And then we have celebrities here now. Excuse now me? there's celebrities. Yeah, we have celebrities, lots of celebrities out here. How'd that happen? Uh, well, the original celebrities that came out here were probably the um, artists, like Andy Warhol and his whole crowd came out here in the 60s, and, um, and entertainers and writers all came out here and um, they basically found a comfort zone out here because an alternative way of life was accepted out here. And there was no criticism out here. They, they dominated the community. So this became their home, their second home. And this is where art was done. Um, Jackson Pollock, um, Andy Warhol, um, Truman Capote, and it goes on and on, that, uh, that whole genre. So you would think, with all the beautiful properties, great weather, celebrities, that this place would be hugely populated and very commercialized, with Airbnbs and things like that taking over. I asked Stephen why that hasn't happened out here. Well, there's a lot of regulations out here, 
and that is to protect the environment and to protect the community as we know it. Um, what happened out here is that many years ago, the trustees of the towns got together and they created the Peconic Land Trust. The Peconic Land Trust bought up all of the vacant land that was available um, in the Hamptons and um, made it so you cannot build on it. You cannot do anything. We own the trust. So everybody that buys a house out here has to give, I think it's 3% of the sale price of the house. Over and above, you have to write out a check at close to the Peconic Land Trust. And they preserve the land. So I, I may own a piece of property here, but if twice as many people want to buy out here, there's, not, there's no more land available. If somebody owns it, it's developed, and they have to buy that land from that person. In addition to that, I heard that you can't just Airbnb your property. That's right. So there's a group of people that govern the, the, the construction type, right? There's a architectural review board, there's a You're rental board. You're only allowed board. to have a certain amount of people living in the house, and that's dependent upon the square footage of the house. How about uh, renting? Anything, renting or living. So I couldn't rent this house to 20 people? No. No, if you have four bedrooms, it's probably like six or eight people. That's it. So I couldn't resist. I just had to say it. What's with all this traffic? No, yeah, that's a real th mess. That's, this is the way it stays. So that's it. That's because the, the whole, you've been out here now for a week, and we're not far from the main road, and you commented to me on a few times, well, we can hear the birds and we don't hear any other noise. We don't want commerce. Except you here. have a train that I hear. We have the that's train. It, so there's a quicker way. Is that a quicker way to get out of your train? Or? Uh, a little bit quicker. And, and, and then the, what you hear is the train runs here more often, maybe it passes by four or five times during the day, as opposed to once or twice off season. And then, of course, there's planes and helicopters at several airports. Well, so, so that's, that's how people are getting out here. That's so. for the that's for the well-to-do to be able to leave Manhattan and get out here in 45 minutes, as opposed to two, three, four hours. Friday comes, people get off work, they leave a little early, they come right. out I'm here. I'm interrupted. There's no more Friday. Uh, Thursday is the new Friday out here. <laughs> okay, that's right. interesting. So, so everyone's stretching their weekend. They exactly, get a little bit more. that became pretty so now, prevalent in the last couple of okay, years. Okay, interesting. So now it's Friday, everyone's out here, and they got to go eat. Mm -hmm. And so there's these all renowned restaurants. Tell Correct. me about that. Well, the restaurants out here are very good. It's, it's, it's one thing that I've always appreciated about being out here is that you have all this kind of different kinds of life. You're living in a small community. You're living in a community that's very aware of the environment around itself and, um, and it's very strict about it, yet it has the rich, the glamorous and the great restaurants and the superstores, but it still maintains a country feel. It still maintains a rural feel to it. It's, a, it's like glamorous rural and, um, and it's maintained that way and we know here for like three months a year that most people are here most people not here three months but they're here for a month or two weeks or whatever except for the homeowners um they pay a premium for those restaurants or those markets that they go to it's very very expensive 
So then you also have the famous or infamous, depending on how you put it, the share, the people that share houses, the young kids, kids in their 20s, 30s, they come out here, they're 8, 10, 12 in a house. Some of them is probably Ill illegal in a sense because they're here and they come out on the weekends, they rent for a month or two months and they come out here Thursday nights or Fridays until Sunday and they party hard. And there are, there's a whole undercurrent of um, clubs and bars that are basically open all night. Honestly, what's made this community better for that is the advent of the Uber. These kids are smart now. No more driving. Mm. That's changed. So the Uber's all, changed the landscape. They Uber all from bar to bar to bar. No Uber restrictions here? There's Uber's There was everywhere. up until two years ago. Really? That brought about another topic. There are all these Hamptons I never knew of. South, West, East. I couldn't keep track. It was like every time we got out of the car, we were in another Hamptons. Stephen explains. Yeah, I think one of the things that I love about coming out here, there are certain landmarks that you pick up from Manhattan to out here that I look forward to passing. And as I pass them, I exhale, drop my shoulders. Um, maybe at one point I'll explain to you, I shut the air conditioner, open the windows, all right? There's, um, there's exit 70 on the Long Island Expressway, which is where most people get off. And then they start heading south and back onto another parkway to get to the Hamptons. Um, when you head south on this particular road, there's a very large piece of artwork, a sculpture called Stargazer. And, um, and it's been there forever. And the town repairs it, makes sure it's in good shape. And when you pass Stargazer, that's the first exhale. What part yeah. of Hamptons is that? That's not even the Hamptons yet. That is the uh, gateway to the Hamptons. Okay. Let's put it that way. And then you get on what they call 27, which is the highway that leads to the Hamptons. And the first Hampton you get to is West Hampton. West. All right. Now, a lot of people get to West Hampton. They stay in West Hampton. It's closer, more convenient. I've never had much involvement with West Hampton. I go further east. And then you drive on 27 and you pass the Shinnecock Canal. Now the Shinnecock Canal was, I believe, was created during the 1935 unknown hurricane. And it breached the ocean and the bay. Oh. So now they have a canal that connects it. And we go over it. When you pass the Shinnecock Canal, that's my second deep breath. And it says, Bridgehampton, 12 miles. And I laugh because I know People say, 12 miles, I'll be there in 10 minutes. No, you'll be there in about 45 minutes, <laughs> right? At best, right? right? So, so when, you, when I pass the Shinnecock Canal, to me, that is the door that opens to the Hamptons. And the first town you hit is Southampton, and then it progresses for the next, uh, like say 30 miles or 35 miles, or 40 miles, whatever, to Montauk. And you have Southampton, and then you go into Watermill, and I look for the watermill. Oh, so about this watermill. It was constructed in 1806 and had a unique double mechanism that could process two orders at the same time and was designed by a watchmaker. It had innovative conveyor belts powered by the watermill sails that brought grain that local farmers would harvest up to hoppers in the grindstones and they could be set to varying fineness until flour was produced. This thing was fascinating. Oh, back to the deep breaths. 
I take a deep breath, heading in, right? And then when I leave um, Watermelon, I head towards Bridgehampton, I open my windows. My soul, my mind mm. is back where I belong. I'm looking at fields and fields of crops and horses and out of nowhere, pieces of artwork that are just pop, pop up. That's what makes this place so unique. Artists just do a sculpture, they put it on somebody's farm and they leave it there. And um, you just see this as you go along. And there's, there's is an expression for the people that love it out here, either you get it or you don't. And as you're driving along, if you don't get it, I won't be able to explain it to you. There's a certain visual experience that sets the tone while you're out here. And um, a lot of people come out here for family, as you know, with my house. You know, it's, it's a gathering place. It's a magnet. It's the, what keeps us together. And, um, and a lot of people my age who own homes, who fell in love with the Hamptons in the 60s, when they were single, now own homes out here. And the people that are in Montauk, that are in their 20s, right? They can't wait to get older so they can buy a home out here to continue their life. And to be able to live in the woods, deep, deep woods, and to travel less than two miles and to be at the ocean, to me that's a treat. To have farmland, deep woods, and ocean all and, within minutes. And perfect weather, and, really perfect weather. And it's, it's as perfect as it could get. I asked Stephen in the time we had left, what's the one thing you would want to tell me about the Hamptons? His answer stuck with me. It's really what this is all about. I breathe easier. Healthier, you feel healthier. healthier. I feel healthier. I, go to, I, I walk out here, I go to gym out here, I don't do that, what we call Up Island or New York or Manhattan. It's, um, I, I say to my wife all the time, and we make it our business to go to beach. If we're out here for four days, we're there two, three days. Not necessarily to sit on it, but just to drive our car there. And there are spots where people are just like us. Every day it's busy. You drive up, you sit in your car, you open your windows. It's like meditation for 20 minutes. And what you're doing, what I tell Susan, what I love, is that I am breathing in unused air. Mm -hmm. That's good. And it just fills me up. That's good. Well, thank you very much for spending this time with me and giving us some insight to the Hamptons. I do believe it will spread the goodwill of the community to those interested. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to Deconstructing This. And thank you again, Stephen Schiller, for the unique insight to such a special place. I'm Frank Bernardo, and I record, edit, and produce these shows. Find more at deconstructingthis.com.